Welcome back to Gabble. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Don. Today we're bringing you a pretty interesting story that we just learned about. And I thought it was worth telling and Don agreed. So we're bringing to you a very recent story actually. Normally we do a little further back, but this one's this wrapped one's... up, cut and dry, short and really yeah, cool. Yeah, and it did just recently happen. Now, I, if... I want to take it back really cool, but go, go ahead. Okay. I shouldn't have said that. That's all good. Uh, I agree with what you're saying. It's very interesting. Yes. Um, most definitely. So before we get started, I have a question for you. We oh. used to start a lot of these off with trivia. Oh, did we? Yeah. Don't you love how uh, how we're kind of reverting back to our Are you selves? tricking me? Is this no, tri- one of those trivia questions? No. It, it is a trivia question. Okay. How many people are reported missing in the United States alone each year? Oh, 200,000. Am I right? Nope. No, more or less? More. 300,000. More. 400,000. More. Five more hundred thousand more um seven hundred thousand less okay <laughs> the one time I the make, one time you the, uh, make yeah. the leap okay right. so, um in the year twenty eighteen there was six hundred and nine thousand two hundred and seventy five people that reported missing okay my next question to you is of that group how many are missing more than one year oh. Um, so out of the six, you're very close. That was a great guess. Yeah. Around 1800, they guess that between five to six per day go missing in the U S that will be missing for more than a year. Wow. Yeah. So that brings us to the topic that we're going to be discussing today. And, uh, a man by the name of Larry Eli Marilo Mancada. Mario Mancada. But we're going to call him Larry. We're going to okay? call him. Can we do that? Larry Eli. <laughs> just, just Larry. There you hey, go. Before we move on too far, that statistic you said about the missing people, do you know, I happen to know a missing person statistic. Do you know how many of those missing people every year are children who are abducted by a non-family member? By a non-family member. Um, so of the 600,000, I'm going to guess roughly 400,000 would be kids. By a non-family member, I'm going to say 2,000. Okay. This is crazy. This is true, though. Okay. 160 to 200. Oh, my goodness. I would have never guessed, yes. obviously. So it's a really interesting interesting statistic because the way you hear about it, and when you hear those large numbers, 600,000 people go missing every year, you think, oh, my goodness, someone's going to take my kids. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case statistically. Okay. Only 160 to 200 per year throughout the entire United States. Of 600,000. Yeah, of the 600,000. And actually, um, those numbers, the 600,000 that we quoted earlier, the numbers were down. Really? Yeah, the numbers were down that year. Uh, they 
traditionally are closer to 650,000 to 700,000. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to share that. That's very interesting. So we're yeah. talking about Larry. Yes, we are talking about Larry. Larry is a 25-year-old um, gentleman who lives in Iowa. Yes. Is it Iowa? Okay. Council Bluffs, Iowa. Council Bluffs, Iowa. And uh, Larry was an immigrant from the country of Honduras. And so he comes to, to the United States. And actually, at one point, uh, he was deported back to Honduras mm -hmm. uh, for a period of time. And then he comes back again. So that's all going to play a role in this whole story. So... Um, would you like to talk a little bit about his disappearance? Sure. When Larry was 25 years old, he disappears under some very suspicious circumstances. Yes. So Larry was experiencing um, some odd behavior. He mm -hmm. was reporting to his mom that he was hearing voices and the voices were telling him to eat sugar. Eat sugar. And his yes. heart was beating real fast and his, the voices said, if you eat sugar, the heart will calm down. Uh, at least that's what he told his mother. Mm. So obviously his mom's very concerned. And he was just prescribed antidepressant medication. Yes. So his, and then he also felt like he was being followed. Yeah. Very and, paranoid. Yeah. Um, and very disoriented. Many, many times they said that he was extremely disoriented. So yes, he had just been uh, prescribed um, some antidepressants and some other medications. Yeah. So I'm, it's unclear how long he was on the antidepressants, but it was just a few doses, apparently. Yes. When he started, when he had this episode, uh, the day he had the episode was November twenty eighth, two thousand nine. He was last seen by his parents. He was he left leaving the house at um, I forget what time of day. Actually, I don't have the time of day on here. Yeah, he left the house. I want to say in the early evening, in the middle of a snowstorm. A snowstorm with no shoes. Yes. No socks, mm -hmm. and he didn't get into a car. Yeah, he didn't. He had no keys no shoes, no socks, and he takes off out of the house. Yeah. Well, he took off running or fleeing because he had just gotten a pretty vehement fight with his family. Yes. And so um, he was in a, in what they were saying, he was probably very upset. He was mm -hmm. in a bad spot there in, in his mind. And so, you know, and I know for me, there's been times where when I'm, you know, facing situations and circumstances sometimes i just need to get out i just need to go for a walk or go for a drive or, or something mm -hmm. like that so i don't have a problem with you know some somebody like this leaving it's not sus suspicious behavior that he left but what is a little interesting is the fact that he leaves with no shoes no socks yeah and that in a snowstorm that would have my flags up so he leaves and First of all, let's backtrack a little bit. Was Larry working? He was. He had a job at a grocery store nearby. Okay. And the grocery store's name was no, the No Frills Supermarket, correct? That's right. Okay. So he's an employee there. So it's not exactly, nobody's totally sure where Larry goes at this point. He flees from his house. Mm -hmm. He is an employee at this No Frills Supermarket, but he's not on shift that day. So he, he flees from his home. And then what happens after that? Well, um, that's, that's the last we hear of him until 10 years later. So 10 years later at the No Frill Supermarket, there's some construction being done. It had shut down in 2016. Okay, so the market shuts down mm -hmm. 
um, in 2016, goes out of business. And they also stopped looking for him that same year. Oh, okay. So this whole time they've been looking for Larry, can't seem to find him. They finally give up the shirt, uh, the search in 2006. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, coincidentally, the store shuts down. The so store. that's seven years later, mm-hmm. the store shuts down and they still can't find him. They've given up hope and they stop searching. That's right. So a couple years later, 2019, there's some construction work being done and they're removing the coolers from the supermarket. Okay. And that's when they discover a body, a body. behind the, the freezer. Wow. Okay, so how in the world, I, I know the answer to this because of my research, but how in the world would a body get behind the cooler? Well, we're about to find out. Don't yes, we are. <laughs> well, before we tell them how it was found, what they did is they took this body that was unrecognizable. They only identified him by his clothing, and he was wearing the clothing that was re- he was reported missing in. They thought this could be him, mm-hmm. but to test it, He was so decomposed, they couldn't tell if he was a male or female even. So they test his parents' DNA. And with their combined DNA, they were able to determine that the DNA on the corpse was similar enough to be the offspring of the parents. So, yeah, that that is so sad, the fact that he had decomposed that badly, Mm -hmm. um, that he was completely unrecognizable in any way um, except via DNA. Well, it's been 10 years. 10 years. It makes good sense. Um, so, okay. So how would he have got to that point? A manager at the no frill supermarket who was interviewed mm-hmm. stated that many of the employees would go up on top of the freezers for their breaks and they would sit up there on top of these freezers in this little storage area. And that's where they would spend their breaks. So that so it wasn't just it wasn't just Larry doing this. There was multiple employees that would take a break. They'd climb up on top of the freezer or this cooler. And they'd sit there and do whatever they do on top of this cooler. So what I found about that was Widom, the police officer that uh, reported on this. Uh huh. He said the employees would hide there when they were taking an unofficial break. Oh, there you go. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> Cats away, the mice will play. So they're up there hiding, taking their unofficial breaks. So it's a known hiding spot to the employees. And we think he went up there to maybe hide because he just ran away from home. He needed to, uh, he needed to get away. He needed to clear his head. Yeah. Goes up there to this spot. Now, how how tall are these these coolers or freezers? The coolers? That's a good question. Um, when I look at them in supermarkets today, they're about 10 feet. Okay. So um, they said that the opening that he fell into was 12 feet. So I'm assuming that it was 12 feet tall, okay. the cooler. Um but he, I thought maybe your research had there found was a, something different. I but. do know there was an 18-inch space between the back of the cooler and the wall. And okay. he fell into that 18-inch space. Okay, think about this. A man who wears a size 31 pants, mm-hmm. his diameter is 16 inches. Sideways or? Sideways, okay. yeah. Okay. So from his left side to his right, from his left hip to his right hip is basically 16 inches. Mm-hmm. So... If it's an 18 inch, and when you see the pictures, this was a, he was a bigger fellow. He's not, he, oh, was, yeah, he, was. he was not a little guy. Um, so when you think about it like that, this is an 18 inch space. How did he fall in there? I mean, obviously he could, I but. Think, I think what you're thinking is how wide he is, but 18 inches, he probably can compress his stomach when he fell in. It just kind of squished him a little bit, kind of stuck him in there. 
And if, if he was stuck, it would make sense that he wasn't able to breathe in deeply. Have you ever been caving? No. Okay, so I've been caving, and there's sometimes your space is so tight that you have to exhale to move through. Because when you take your breath in, you kind of get stuck Got in, it. In, the, in the hole you're crawling through because it's too tight. So the so more he, that he exhales and then he can't get a good breath. He can't get a good breath to yell is what I'm To thinking. yell, yes. Plus, they say that these coolers were extremely loud. Mm-hmm. And so... They wouldn't have hurt him anyway. They wouldn't have hurt him. So he's laying in this 12-foot deep, 18-inch wide space. Now... This is going to sound terrible, but we can only hope that maybe he was killed on impact because what a tragic death mm-hmm. to be asphyxiated or to starve to death. We don't know if he was yelling. We don't know what happened. But your theory makes good sense that he's losing his breath. It he was ca- too tight for him to get a tight. breath to yell. And there was no way, especially if he went down head first or something like that. And there's other factors too. Like if he went head first, like you're saying, the blood would rush to his head. And plus there's panic. People panic when they're in confined spaces. Yes. And that dark will, spaces yeah. and all of that. Shock and different things can lead to a, a more quick death. Yes. So he falls into this space or ends up in this space. We'll put it that way. He ends up in this 18-inch by 12-foot space for 10 for years. 10 years. Now, here's the creepy part. Okay. Wait, it's creepier than that? It, it probably is. Okay, go ahead. When you think about the fact that they search for him, they search for him, they don't find him, do you think those employees all stopped going up there on their breaks? Oh, no. I doubt it. No, they're probably still hiding They're probably there. still hiding up there on oh, these man. unofficial breaks, sitting there, not realizing that 12 feet away from them is a body yeah for seven years seven years a body is right below my feet that's creepy it is crazy yeah that's crazy so um they search for him they search for him they finally find him and these contractors what what a terrible day for them yeah, it's a bad day. You know, we think about the family as we should. We think about the individual who lost his life as we should. But sometimes we don't think about the other victims in all of this process, which is the discoverers, the mm-hmm. people that see this thing happen. Yeah. No fault of their own. And they're not um, they're not acclimated to it like acclimated. <laughs> acclimated, yes. Not acclimated like the police and first responders. That's right. Who the, are used to that kind of they thing. They deal with that that all the time, but contractors don't. And so to suddenly pull out a cooler and you're staring at a very da- badly decomposed body. Mm-hmm. What a what a terrible, you know, and those things are imprinted on their minds forever. How do you get that out of your brain? I don't know that you do. I, I don't think, think you can. I think you remember it for a long time. Yep. Does it change your way of going about life? Um, in my experience, slightly. You do, like when you go to a funeral, you if there's like an open casket, it kind of makes you think, oh, oh, okay, there's an end. Yes, there is an end. I remember <laughs> this, this years is gonna ago. going to be over. I remember years ago, um, somebody who had had a, a tragic end and I was probably 17. My dad walked with me and he said, as we were paying our last respects, he leaned over and he said, when we go by that casket, he said, look that gentleman in the face and always remember that uh, that could be you. Yeah. And 
boy, I, I've never forgot it. I can still feel myself walking down that center aisle and wow, just a, a you know, a tragic circumstance. Now to, to go in a slight, is, do you have more on that? On our case? Yes. Yeah, I do have a little more. Okay. Yeah, let's hear it. Cause um, I have, I have something else that I'd kind of like to bring up too. A lot of the stories I read talk about how this is a mental health awareness issue. And Dude, you have, you're reading my mind. Okay. If you go have ahead. mental health issues, then you need to seek help. But when I read this story, I get the opposite from this story. When I read this story, I think this guy did get help. He got the medication and the medication seems to be the thing that caused him to have this, this breaking point and run off and then die. That you're okay. So this is scary. This is not comforting for a mental health awareness. This is the opposite. This is the opposite. And that's, it's funny that you said that because my notes literally right here says I'm showing John the mental health. (laughs) Literally that's where I'm headed. That's funny. That's scary. Um, but so first of all, how many people do you think in the U S this last year were diagnosed with mental health issues? I don't know. That sounds like such a broad statement. It is a broad statement. 46.5, I'm sorry, 46.6 million people were diagnosed with mental health issues. Now, do I agree that, you know, there's some that definitely going to get help is the answer. And we don't want to sound like we're saying don't go get help because if you need help, get help. We want you to find help. But sometimes I do wonder if if misdiagnosis can happen or if we can we can have things that like you're saying with this situation that contribute more to some of the mental health issues and I, what, go ahead i don't know i'd have to look at the numbers and take it maybe take it more of a case by case mm-hmm. because i think a lot of times we as family or friends should be there for our friends who are struggling. Yes. And if you need to comfort them, we should reach out to them. We should be helping them. Yes. And I think we have a responsibility to do that. I'm less inclined to say doctors or the government should be helping these people. I think friends and family should start. Mm-hmm. And then the friends and family should help determine, you know, that we've been working with this guy for a long time. I'm really worried about his safety. Maybe we should see about getting him medicated. Because I had, there's obviously there's tons and tons of cases where people are prescribed lithium or whatever they're prescribed, mm-hmm. and it does help with yes. their situation. No doubt. No doubt. But I think the family should be a, in a very close role because they know best, I think. I agree with that. I think that. But again, case by case, I'm not, I don't want to say blanket we term. can't we can't make a blanket family should make the decision I, no. I can't say that we can't say that at all but it's got to be case by case but i do i do feel for people who are struggling and you know um we don't want to bring up too much of our current circumstances but in these current times that we live in i think we're we're seeing especially in the last several months we're seeing more people who are struggling yeah with a lot of these issues and it's important to turn to somebody, to talk to somebody, to reach out for help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. No, and, I agree with that. And I think um, in these times, if you are struggling, if you're out there listening right now and you're struggling with, with some of these issues we're talking about, um, there's nothing wrong with you as far as, oh, is something, am I going to look bad if I ask for help? No, we encourage you, ask for help. Um, that can be the start of getting you out of the the darkness that you're living in. Right. 
Yeah. So, so. back to the case, um, the, the autopsy discovered that there was no trauma evident, mm-hmm. but it was really hard to tell uh, on a corpse that old. Yeah. Too much, decom- too much decomposition. So they, um, they, they ruled it accidental. Accidental. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, and, and what a, what a touching case, but you know, the good part of it, the one good thread in this story is the parents finally got closure yeah. after 10 years. They got all white yeah. Could you imagine going 10 years, not knowing where are they? Are, are they alive? Are they dead? Did something happen drastic to them? In fact, they had even brings me back to the whole, uh, he was an immigrant situation. For a little while, they thought that maybe he had went back to Honduras. Oh, really? Yeah. So I didn't they, find that. Yeah. So they thought he had went back to Honduras. So they were kind of like, well, we're looking, we're searching, we're concerned, but maybe he's in Honduras. But the questions that had to be in their mind at some point, you just, you got to get some closure. So I'm thankful that, you know, in 2019, they were able to, uh, in fact, January 24th, which is a really good day, by the way. January 24th, 2019, Ooh, they discovered one. his body. And um, yeah, so that's all I have. Yeah, me too. This is such an interesting case, though. Yeah, it was kind of a... It was. It was. Yeah. It's so crazy. I think that's the biggest deal. It's so unique. It is very unique. And it's creepy to think that you're in a convenience store because there's got to be... There's shoppers there. People yes. were shopping there several years afterward. That and you never smelled the smell. I know. That you never heard the sound. It's so bizarre. It is. It's crazy. But um, it, it does end as good as it can. And I think uh, I think the one takeaway that I have from here is um, don't sit on top of a freezer. Yeah, don't uh, don't take don't take breaks you're not supposed to take. Don't take unauthorized <laughs> breaks. Take your mandated breaks. If you're in California, you got lots of them. There you go. And um, yeah, don't be getting on top of freezers if you're not supposed to be up there. That's it. I got it. Stay safe. Yes, please. Hey, guys. Well, let us know what you thought about this episode. You can email us at thegabblepodcast at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-G-A-B-L podcast at gmail.com we love hearing from you guys love hearing your show suggestions and your comments um, if you want to help out the show the best way to do that is to leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts and then write a review it really helps out the show wherever you're listening don't forget to subscribe so you can hear our next episodes that's it talk to you next week all right bye adios